And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with Ness attached to it. Bob, <laughs> listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. <laughs> I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Joseph Cotton stars in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense from 1946. But first, it's movie Jeopardy. Lisa Wolf Trebek will play audio clips from popular sci-fi movies. And I'll try to name the movie while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? That's right, Carl. So... Science fiction films is a category that we rarely discuss here, probably because I'm not a huge sci-fi fan, mm-hmm. but I chose some films that I think that Why? you'll recognize. You're from outer space. Well, I mean, apparently all women are from your perspective. Right. Right. So All just... women? Not all women. <laughs> from your perspective. No, not all women. You said right. I said you. <laughs> and, and you said right. Not all women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So um, we'll do a little sci-fi. We I don't know if you've you ever done it You just turned off half the audience. You just turned off half half my listeners. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> they know you. Okay, here's the first movie. Matthew, what else would it be? It was something, but it was not human. It had white hair on it. It was growing. When the one at Jack's place was... It was like Jack, but it wasn't as developed as the one at Elizabeth's place. It had tendrils on it. The one at Elizabeth's place was duplicating her. And if Matthew hadn't taken me out of there, the same thing that's happened to Jeffrey would have happened to me. Mm. Elizabeth, would you please tell me, in your opinion, exactly I know, it's what tough. is happening? I, I kind of have an idea. <sighs> okay. I think, I think, I think that is invasion of the body snatchers. Really? Is it? It is. Whoa! <laughs> it is. So that we heard Leonard Nimoy in that clip, and I yeah. thought that might what be what helped give it away. It's nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, that's a remake because there was an it earlier is. one with that's Kevin right. McCarthy. That's right. So it's based on the nineteen fifty five novel, mm-hmm. The Body Snatchers, which was adapted into a nineteen fifty six film. Yeah. So that's exactly right. We yeah, of course Nimoy, that's Jeff exactly Goldblum, right. Donald Sutherland. I'm a genius. Yes, I know that already, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well aware of your strengths and weaknesses. Okay, <laughs> That's probably the only one I'll get. I'm not a big sci-fi no, movie guy. You will know all of these, I think. Really? Here's the next okay. one. Keep your brain open. Stay here. Stay. And don't tell anybody. No, nobody. Be good. Be good. Oh, God! Elliot. What? Elliot. Elliot. I taught him how to talk now. He can God. Isn't she cute? Drew Barrymore. Can you believe it? Holy moly. Now she has her own talk show. 
and she was uh, one of the Charlie's Angels. Remember when they made that movie? She was, I think she was one of the Charlie's Angels in the movie. Yeah. Wasn't she? I think she, she was. was. She yeah. was, yeah. There's Bubble Bath. Yep, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's... Voice from Beyond. That's E.T. E.T. 1982, directed by Steven Spielberg. And um, gosh, Elliot has to find his way home, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, it yeah, Drew Barrymore in that clip. Home. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Such a little thing. Mm-hmm. All right, see, you know more sci-fi than you think. Here we go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, <laughs> are you telling me that you that all you a time need, right? machine? Yeah. Doc. Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction made the flux dispersal. <laughs> <laughs> And there it goes. Okay, I know that one. Yes, that I know. is Back to the Future. Back to the Future is right, 1985. That was Michael wow. J. Fox 85. and Christopher Lloyd. Mm-hmm. And uh, we heard a little bit about Marty McFly there. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay, I, there were two sequels, but I only saw the first yeah, one. Yeah, Back to the Future. Okay. <laughs> That's the only one I saw. Part two, part three. All right, here's the next one. This thing doesn't live in a swamp. This thing's got, what, a 25, 27-foot neck? Brachiosaurus 30. And that's all you need. That's what Lisa sounds like when she wakes up in the morning, Dan's side. Uh, yeah, that's what I sound like every night at the radio station when we're not on the radio. She wake, Dan, Dan said she wakes up and you hear, this is what you hear. <laughs> well, I am a wolf, you know. That is Jurassic Park. That is right. 1993. Yeah. Based on the 1990 novel by Michael Crichton. And, of course, uh, Laura Dern was in that. Jeff Goldblum again. There are five sequels to that. Really? I didn't see any of them. They, they're they really good. I mean, Did the you mo- see them? I've seen every Jurassic Have Park. Have you? Love Jurassic wow. Park. Wow. That was in- All right. We'll do one more. All right. Here we go. You know, they're very visual. It's very difficult. No blood. No Dallas. Hmm. Nothing. Hmm. How come I don't hear anybody saying nothing around I'm this thinking. place? You know that, who that is? I think that sounds like Sigourney Weaver. It Sigourney. is Sigourney so Weaver. So that must be Alien. Dallas. Exactly. That was, uh, that was your clue. Alien 1979. That is one Sigourney of the best Weaver. sci-fi movies of all time. I mean, and then, I saw it years back. Here's the thing. That movie was phenomenal, right? And then they made a sequel mm-hmm. called Aliens. Right. That and was... that was even better. Oh, see, I didn't see the That sequels. doesn't happen too often where right. the sequel is better than the original. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to see either one of those movies, see Aliens. So I a- agree with you. Alien yeah. is there's 79. Aliens was in 86. Then there's Alien 3 in 92 and Alien Resurrection in 97. All right. I got them off. Yes, you did. I'm off to a great That's start. right. You are. All right. When we come back, it's Suspense starring Joseph Cotton. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Before we tune in to Suspense, folks uh, want to announce something. You can call a number now and sign up for our Lifetime podcast. Would you like to get the entire five-hour Hollywood 360 show plus... 
our Radio Rarities uh, podcast every week sent right to your email so you never miss a single moment of Lisa Wolf um, berating me and all the things that she does. Um, I just have to keep up with you. That's all I'm trying to do. And you also get uh, six classic radio shows because we do one show each of those five hours plus a half-hour classic radio show in our radio rarities. So if you would like to uh, sign up for our Lifetime podcast, and it's a one-time cost for the life of this show, we'll probably be on the air for the next nine trillion years at least, right? I'm counting on it, Carl. A long time, I can tell you that. You can just pay $100 and you never pay again. You will also get sent to you in the mail our swag coffee cup. It has uh, Hollywood 360 on one side, and it has Radio Rarity's logo on the other side. Lisa Wolf and I are uh, on that coffee mug if you um, want to drink out of the tops of our heads. Right? Or if you want to give somebody a great gift. Um, uh, people really do appreciate receiving it. It's a gift you get every single week. So it's, yeah. it's a really nice and way to give a gift. never expire. So if you don't listen to the full five-hour-plus Radio Rarity's, each uh, each week, you can just hang on to it and listen to it anytime you want. All right, here's the number. You'll talk to a live operator when you call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. 815-900-7535. Live operator will take your call. If they don't, leave a message and they will call you back. All right, time for Joseph Cotton in the pasteboard box on suspense from January 17th, 1946. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines present Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. Joseph Cotton, a star of The Pasteboard Box, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glassful would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Mr. Joseph Cotton in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! Save it, Walter. I've taken all of that I can. I'm through, you understand? Through! I'm sorry, sir. I couldn't help but over here. What's the difference now? I, I hope you haven't quarreled seriously with your brother, Quarreled? Sir. What else have I ever done with him but quarrel? Well, I realize it's a bit difficult at times, sir, but I'm sure he has your best interest at heart. Yeah, well, from now on, he can stop worrying about my best interest because I'm getting out of his life tonight for good. I grabbed my hat and coat and rushed out of the house, looking wild-eyed and distracted. I caught a taxi right in front of the door, told him to go to the 23rd Street Ferry. On the ferry, I stood by the stern rail... I walked up and down, puffing hard on a cigarette, looking out into the fog and acting nervous and jumpy. I leaned against the rail and bowed my head down on my arms. Two or three people standing around there began to look at me. Then, when we were out about third way in the middle of the stream, I took off my coat that 
had my name and address written with indelible ink in the label, and my hat that had my initials stamped in gold on the sweatband, and laid them down on the deck, climbed up on the rail, and jumped. It was as easy as that. A fight with my brother that was loud enough so the houseman couldn't help but hear it. A jump off the 23rd Street ferry, leaving plenty of identification behind. An easy swim back to shore where I'd planted my dry clothes. And a phone call to the news to report my own suicide. It was just as easy as that. On Friday afternoon, I waited across the street until I saw Williams, the houseman, leaving for his usual weekend. And then I let myself in the front door and walked back to the study. Come in, Williams. I thought you'd gone. Hello, Walter. Jack. What's the matter, Walter? You look as though you'd seen a ghost. I... Jack. Haven't you seen the papers? I thought you were dead. Yeah. I changed my mind. Jack. Jack, how, how could you? How, how could you have done such a thing? I didn't. I, I just went swimming, that's all. Don't tell anyone I'm here. Yes, this is Mr. Parcell. Yes, I told you once it was broken. I'm sure I don't know. I, I know I certainly didn't do it. Yes, it's still in the box. I'll send you the pieces if you like. Well, that's a little late, I'm afraid. Oh, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. It's, it's the principle of the thing. Besides, I'm going out of town. Yes. Yes, I suppose there will be someone here to receive it. All right. All right. Silly. Goldfish bowl. What? You know, I ordered a larger one and it arrived this morning all smashed up and they were arguing about sending me a new one. There it is in that big square box. You can see for yourself it's smashed. Hmm. Huh. Certainly like you, Walter. At the last minute... You're worrying about a $2 goldfish bowl. What do you mean, the last minute? Well, you just said over the phone you were going out of town. Yes. What's the idea? Well, Jack, I... I was terribly upset when I heard that... Well, when I thought... I'll bet. Where are you going? Well, I... I hadn't quite made up my mind. I... I, I just wanted to get away. Hmm. Taking quite a lot of luggage for just a little trip out of town, aren't you, Walter? Clearing the papers out of your desk, too, huh? <clears throat> uh, uh, yes, I, I simply thought I... <clears throat> well, I, I could get a little work done while I was away. Or were you thinking of staying away for a while because somebody might ask you some questions about why I jumped in the river and the answers might make you look like a heel? Of course not. Such an idea never occurred to me. You always were yellow. You'd run away from anything. Jack, that's quite enough. That's right. Those are the truest words you ever spoke. And I wouldn't bother about packing luggage anymore if I were you. Why not? Because where you're going, you won't need any luggage. What do you mean? This is what I mean. Jack! Jack! Don't! You're joking! 
You won't need any luggage anymore, brother. It's like Cain felt about Abel, I suppose. There he was lying on the floor, looking as though it was me lying there, only it wasn't, it was him. And I was glad. It's a funny thing about twins, being one yourself, you'd notice them more than most people would. And all the twins I'd ever known had got along good, extra good. But not me and Walter. I hated him ever since I could remember. I hated him because the old man was about the only one who could tell us apart. And it was Walter he always called to him, not me. I hated him for what he got and what I didn't. I hated him because he was always good and I was bad. I hated him because the old man left everything he had to him and it wasn't hay either. Because I couldn't do anything about it on account of that forgery rap I'd taken. And I hated him for the way he'd, he'd taken care of me since I got out of jail and thrown it in my face every chance he got. I hated him for all those things and a lot more. And I was dead and I killed him. And I was glad. You don't believe me? Brother, I felt great. I went over to the mirror and combed my hair over on the left side like his. I locked the study door and went upstairs to the bathroom and shaved off my mustache. He was clean-shaven. I went back to the bedroom and put on one of his suits. When I got through and stood in front of the big, full-length bedroom mirror, I looked the spitting image of him. No one in the world could have told that I wasn't Walter Parcell. In fact, I was Walter Parcell. Went back to the study. All I had to do now was dispose of the evidence. But first, I, I couldn't resist looking around. It was mine now, all mine. Those stupid fish he had all over the place and glass tanks and the books he never read and all the, all the rest of it. In his desk was a list of all the bonds and securities and the number of his safe deposit box and accommodation to the safe and the bank book, all nice and neat. On the desk was a picture of Helen Winters, the little vixen he was engaged to, and I made a mental note that I'd at least have to call her before I left town and look funny if I didn't. <laughs> I might even do more than call her. Well, there's no use stalling any longer. It had to be done. I got the body over my shoulder carried it upstairs and put it in the bathtub. I locked the bathroom door from the inside. Then I got to work. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Joseph Cotton in the pasteboard box by Joe Grenzebach. Roma Wine's presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now Roma Wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage Joseph Cotton as star of The Pasteboard Box, a play well calculated to keep you in Suspense. early morning before I was able to leave the house. I walked to the nearest subway with a suitcase, a heavy suitcase, because it was also weighted down inside with old furnace grates and sash weights. I got off the subway at Dykeman Street and took the Dykeman Street ferry to Jersey. 
about halfway across the suitcase that I had up on the rail as though it was something for me to lean on just sort of uh, slipped out of my hands into the river. <laughs> I looked mad and then foolish, and the people that saw it happened snickered behind their hands. Nice to see that. That was that. I just dropped a suitcase overboard. <laughs> About an hour later, the same thing happened on a 42nd Street ferry, and the mortal remains of Walter Parcell were gone. All but his head. At first, I had no what to do with that head wouldn't fit into either of the suitcases, no matter what I did, and then I thought of that box. That big pasteboard box that the goldfish bowl had come in. It was still sitting there in the corner of the desk. I waited it and wrapped up the outside in the paper that it had come in and started out again, the 14th Street Ferry this time. I had it balanced up there on the rail, just like I'd had the others, and then... Hey, look out! Oh, it's all right, mister. I've got oh, it. Oh, let go. Oh, I've got it. Hey, what's the matter? Oh, I, I, I thought you dropped it. Oh, no. No, here it is. Hey, that was close, all right. Another second and it would have been gone for good. Yeah. It had been gone for good, all right. All right. That is the first portion of a creepy episode of Suspense, the pasteboard box from January 17, 1946, starring Joseph Cotton. And you know, that Joseph Cotton, he was really soft to the touch. Well, how would you know that? Cotton? <laughs> no, how would you know that he was soft? Joseph Cotton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I need more information. <laughs> All right, we'll have more suspense after this. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. We have launched our Boston Blackie Kickstarter campaign to help save the entire 218 episodes of the Boston Blackie radio series starring Dick Kalmar along with Leslie Woods and uh, Maurice Tarplin. He played Inspector Faraday on there. Uh, super, super honored uh, to have licensed all of the Frederick Ziv master recordings on 16-inch disc. And uh, we, we uh, had a very successful Bold Venture Kickstarter. We talked about that for a while. We did hit our funding goal for Bold Venture, and we have made the um, uh, all of the transfers of the Bold Venture, and people have been getting them. There's still some people that uh, the CDs are are going out, but primarily most people got their CDs and their digital downloads, 
and we've been getting rave reviews thanks to Doug Hopkinson, who did the transfers. He's an expert. Um, the quality is amazing, and um, hopefully you got your bold ventures if you were a uh, pledger of that. We now have Boston Blackie's Kickstarter up. You can just search Boston Blackie Kickstarter in your uh, search engine, and it will take you right to it. Or you can go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com, and there will be a pop-up that says Save Boston Blackie. Click that. It will take you right to the Kickstarter website. And even if you don't pledge and uh, help us save this series, you should still go to the website. I'll tell you why. There's all kinds of really interesting facts about this radio series. There's great pictures behind the scenes, and uh, it's really a cool website. So I think everyone out there would enjoy reading about Boston Blackie and this whole preservation effort. I was actually most interested in seeing the transfer mm. and learning a little bit about how that works because mm-hmm. I really didn't know much about that. So yeah. there's a video about that as well. It's, yeah. It's uh, quite educational. You know, there's it's a big job. I mean, I'm sure. transferring even one episode because you have to have two different discs to do that. You have to have side A on one disc and then side B on another disc. The great thing is we have pristine, never played discs right. to... Um, to do the transfers from. So it makes uh, Doug's job a little easier, although he still has to do an immense cleaning of each one uh, with the osmosis water and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, and you can learn about that, a yeah, little bit about that on the website as well. So. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but the end result is a uh, pristine sound episode, and this includes over 50 lost Boston Blackie episodes that have not been in circulation, have not been heard in over 75 years, plus the entire series in perfect sound. If you would like to get not only um, you know all of those episodes, you can get less than all of them if you want to only get like you know 20 or 30 or whatever. It's all there at our Kickstarter website. And so please do help us save this series. Um, please go to uh, Kickstarter Boston Blackie. Just search that or go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com, a pop-up will appear. You can click it. Now, if you would like to talk to somebody about it, if you're not really, I'm not great with websites and things like that. If you want to talk to a person who can walk you through it, they can take your pledge. They would be happy to explain the different levels of pledging to help us save this series. You can speak to a live operator at 815 900 Seven five three five. That's eight one five nine hundred seven five three five. If you uh, call and you do not get a live operator, please leave your phone number, and a live operator will get back to you. Once again, eight one five nine hundred seven five three five. Help us save this incredible series, Boston Blackie, my favorite series of all these uh, radio shows. You know that I've been I saying do, that forever. Of course. Love Boston Blackie. All right. I'm loving this episode of Suspense and uh, Joseph Cotton in this. Did you know, Lisa, that he and Orson Welles were actually best friends? And they were best friends 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way until uh, Orson Welles passed away. And he was Orson Welles' best man at his Mm -hmm. wedding to Rita Hayworth. Yeah, they were really good pals. All right. uh, And you know what Orson Welles used to say if something went wrong? He'd just say, oh, Welles. All right, let's get back to the pasteboard box. January 17th, 1946. Here's Suspense.
Walking across 14th Street on the way back from the ferry, people were pushing behind me, and the next thing I knew, I was in a department store. I was walking down one of the aisles just, just to keep moving and not attract attention when, when it hit me right between the eyes. There was another box, a box just like mine. It was sitting up there in one of the counters, and next to it was an old guy looking at some bow ties. I walked over and put my box on the counter next to his, and I pretended I was waiting for the clerk. Then after a couple of minutes, I pretended to change my mind. I picked up the box, uh, his box, of course, and started for the door. Say, I say that. I say, sir, you've taken my box. Oh, what do you mean, your box? Let go of me. But it is. It's my box. You left yours there on the counter. Oh, are you crazy? Let go, I What's tell you. What's the trouble here? Why, this man's got my package and won't give it back. Oh, shoplifter, huh? No, no, it's not that. He left a package of his own there. But he insists that mine is his. Now... What's in it? A parchment lampshade. I bought it at your furniture department just now. Uh -huh. The girl will uh, confirm that. What's in yours? Well, mine? Yes, what's in your box? Why, well... Uh, well, there, we'll it, open uh, it up and see. Uh, no, no, no. It's the only come way on. to tell. Open them both up. You think this is your package? Then... No, wait. I, I made a mistake. Uh, it isn't. Uh, here, now give me mine. Now, just a minute. Uh, give it to me. Just a minute. Can you prove... Give it to me. Oh, give it to him. It's his. I saw him put it there. Very well, thank but you, I... Thank you. Why? He acted like a madman. <laughs> Maybe I did act like a madman. I guess I did because I was pretty close to panic when I got out of the store. I started walking and I just walked. I don't know how far or how long, but all I could think of was, what will I do now? What will I do with it? What will I do with it? I didn't snap out of it until I found myself a half a block from home and not knowing how I got there, all I knew was I still had that box and I had to get rid of it. Then I saw the sewer, a corner sewer with a big wide opening. I crossed over to it as though I were going to step up on the curb. I stumbled. I gave it a good kick. It slid in, and I heard it fall. <sighs> I got home, and a half hour later, I was just beginning to relax. The doorbell rang. I went out in the hall, switched on the vestibule lights, and opened the door. There stood a couple of kids. Yes, this is yours, ain't it, mister? What? We were standing across the street when you dropped it. Then we saw you come into this house. That's how we know. We got some string and a fish hook and pulled it out. It is yours, ain't it? No. You mean it ain't yours? No, I never saw it before in my life. Now beat it. Oh, then we can open it, huh, Johnny? It, uh, oh, wait, no. I don't know. Maybe we ought to take it to the cops. Yeah, you give that to me. Give it to me. But you said... That... I made a mistake. I didn't recognize it. Now give it to me. Beat it. Well, aren't you glad to get it back? Huh? Oh, sure. Uh, here. Thanks. Gee, five bucks. There must be diamonds in that box. It was back. The kids were hardly down the steps before I was out the house without a hat, a coat, or anything running toward Second Avenue. I didn't care who saw me now. Didn't dare stop for a taxi. I had to keep running. I couldn't stop for a second. I kept on running up Second Avenue to 59th Street, going out onto the bridge. I was still running, and I didn't stop until I got nearly to the middle. And then, then I threw it. Out over the railing as far as I could. I watched it arc down and saw the white splash in the darkness as it hit the water in a couple of hundred feet below. It was gone. No matter what, it was gone. Somehow I got home. But it was daylight before I could get myself to sleep. Monday morning I felt better. Got up fairly early and went down to study and 
make my plans. Seeing the picture of Helen Winters on the desk reminded me I ought to call her. If Walter left town without even calling the girl he was supposed to marry, it wouldn't look so good. There was no answer, so I hung up. Then I rang for Williams, the house man. Yes, sir? Oh, oh Williams, uh, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to let you go. Oh, oh I'm sorry to hear it, sir. If it's anything I've oh, done... Oh, quite the contrary. I've uh, found our uh, <clears throat> association most pleasant, but uh, the death of my brother has been quite a shock, of course. Of course, sir. I'm going away. I don't know how long I shall be gone or when I shall be back or if I shall come back here at all. So uh, I thought it was best this way. Yes, sir. When will you be leaving, sir? Within a few days. There's no hurry, but I wanted you to be able to make your own plans. Uh, I'm making arrangements this afternoon to sell the house and the furniture. And the the uh, associations here are painful. Uh, you understand? I understand, sir. My brother Jack had his faults, of course. We, we all do. I know how you feel, sir. But after all, Williams, he was my brother. Yes, sir. Blood is thicker than water. You're so right, Williams. That first performance left me feeling pretty satisfied. The next one wasn't so easy. But for things to look right, it had to be done. So after breakfast, I went down to police headquarters. Well, what can we do for you, Mr. Parcell? Why, I'm, I'm going away for a while, and uh, I wondered if you had uh, uh, recovered my... Poor brother's... Uh, uh, his body? Yes. Uh, no, I'm sorry. We haven't, Mr. Parcell. Oh, I see. Uh, while you're here, though, there is something you might look at for us. Very well. Uh, this way, please. Mm. It's just a routine matter of identification, but we like to have these things on the record, you know. Of course, of course. Uh, something you uh, found? Yeah, that's right. Fished mm. it out of the East River this morning. The East River? That's right. The East River. For a minute, I just stopped breathing. Because it wasn't in the East River that I jumped off the ferry. That was on the other side of the island. The East River was where I'd thrown it. And then I was all right again because I saw what he had. A pair of trousers. Mine. You recognize these, Mr. Parcell? Oh, yes. Those are the trousers my, my brother wore the night he died. Uh-huh. Probably kicked him off and tried to swim to shore. Probably. Yeah, well, thanks, Mr. Parcell. That's all we need. Very well, but uh, you said the... East River, and it was the North River where poor Jack... Oh, could... carried down by the current and around by the tide. Mm. Caught in the propeller of a ship, maybe. Funny things happen in the waters around this island, Mr. Parcell? Yes. Yes, I imagine they do. So, that was all right, too. When I got out of headquarters, I went across the street to a pay station and phoned Helen Winters again. no answer. I hung up. Then I went uptown to the bank, Walter's bank. I'd never been in it before in my life, and I'd been wondering how I'd know who to be chummy to, but I needn't have worried about that. Well, good morning, Mr. Parcell. Good morning. We were all terribly sorry to hear of your bereavement, Mr. Yes, Parcell. Yes, thank you. As a matter of fact, uh, that's what brings me here. I see. Something about the estate? Oh, no, 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 but... I shall want to uh, get into my safe deposit box. Why, certainly, Mr. Parcell. Thank you. Uh, 
Oh, uh, by the way, do you happen to know what my cash balance is? Just, just roughly. Uh... Roughly between thirty-two and thirty-three thousand. Well, I want five thousand in cash. I'll make out a counter check. You can forward the rest when I've made banking connections in Mexico. Oh, Mexico! Hmm. Well, do you expect to be in Mexico for any length of time? Oh yes, for quite a length of time. Oh. Shall we go down to the vault, sir? Oh, yes, by all means. <laughs> When I got out of the bank, it was raining, but I didn't care. I liked it. I was walking on air anyway, and I decided to walk home that way. It's nearly 30 blocks, and I was soaking wet when I got there, but what's a little rain to a guy with $100,000 in his pocket? The front door wasn't locked. In I went, and I hung up my hat and coat in the hall and was wondering whether to have a nice hot bath before calling Helen Winters. And when I saw it, it... A box, that horrible pasteboard box that had come back. For a second, I thought my mind had gone. But there it was, sitting on the desk, wet and soggy and the limp paper peeling off as, as though it had been fished out of the river just that minute. And then I remembered I, I hadn't seen it sink and what the cop had said about tides and currents. And then the doorbell rang. I rushed to the window. There was a police car outside. For the moment, I thought of grabbing up the box and running, escaping out of the bag somehow and... And I knew that wasn't any use. It didn't matter. It was some sort of a police plan. It didn't matter anyway. And if it wasn't, if it was just another one of those terrible coincidences, there was still time. Whatever they wanted, I could bluff it through and there'd still be time. I pulled myself together and went out and opened the door. Yes? We're from headquarters. Yes. You're uh, Walter Parcell. Walter Parcell. They thought I was Walter Parcell. They didn't even know he was dead. That was all right. There was still time. I said, are you Walter Parcell? Uh, yes, I'm Walter Parcell. You know a young woman named Helen Winters? Oh, Helen Winters, of course. She's my fiancée. And I'm afraid you're going to have to come along with us, Mr. Parcell. With you, why? Helen Winters has been murdered. And I might as well tell you now that anything you say will be used against you. The evidence is pretty conclusive. That, that, that I? That I, you murdered her. I, I didn't, I couldn't. We found her this morning in the commentary report she was killed Friday night. You were seen entering the place that night and you were seen leaving. Uh, a gun that we traced to you was found in an ash can a block away. Now, what do you expect us to believe, Mr. Parcell? Uh, wait a minute. There, there's a mistake. There, there's been a terrible mistake. I, I'm not Walter Parcell. I, I'm his brother. Hmm? I, I'm his brother, Jack. The one who committed suicide? Yes. Only, only I didn't. I, I changed my mind. I swam back to shore. I, I came back here, and I found Walter. He was dead. He killed himself. And now I know why. Don't, don't you see? Because he murdered the girl. You didn't report it. Where's the body? The body? Yes, yes, the body, the body. No, no, that's it. Now, look. Look, everyone knew I quarreled with Walter, and so I thought they'd pin it on me. I thought they'd say I killed him. So, so I disposed of the body. Then I took his place. We are, we're twins, don't you see? <laughs> Mr. Parcell, I've been in this business a long time, and I've had some beauties, but I never had a man ask me to believe one like it's that. It's true. I swear it's true. All right, then, where's the body? I threw it in the river with the weights. I thought so. Come on. Now, wait a minute. Come on, come on. I, I, I can prove it. I can prove it. Yeah, how? Because, because I've still got his head. His, his head? That would prove it, wouldn't it? Oh, wouldn't it? It certainly would. Come on. 
I'll show you. Here in that box, see? I'd open a chore, sure. I threw it in the river and it, it got back here somehow. It's, it's still wet, see? It's... That doesn't look like anybody's head to me, Mr. Parcell. It's... To me, it looks like just an ordinary goldfish pool. <laughs> That was it, of course. The goldfish bowl he'd been arguing about on the telephone when I came back and found him packing up, running away, because he'd murdered his girlfriend. So, I don't know where Walter is now in those swirling tides and currents, but I know one thing. Wherever he is, he must be laughing his head off. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Before we hear again from Joseph Cotton, the star of the pasteboard box, tonight's suspense play, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Each day, more Americans are switching to Roma and discovering what a wonderful help Roma Wine is in making simple home entertainment successful. The reason... Taste, superb taste, for only pennies a glass. And, says famous hostess Elsa Maxwell, there's a Roma California wine to delight everyone. Rich, ruby-red Roma port, mellow, nut-like Roma sherry, smooth, golden Roma muscatel, and flame-bright Roma toquet. I give my guests their choice and share with them Roma's goodness. Each of these fine Roma wines may be served with cake, fruit, nuts, or other tasty snacks when guests drop in. Many prefer these wines with dessert. You'll find them delightful anytime. Get Roma wine tomorrow. You'll be amazed how little such taste luxury costs. For Roma wine, famed for uniformly fine quality, is now selling at the lowest prices in years. Insist on Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Joseph Cotton. I've enjoyed my appearance on Suspense as I always do. Next Thursday, a unique actress whom all of us here in Hollywood love and admire, as you do, will be the leading lady on Suspense, Dame May Whitty. Miss Whitty will appear as a kindly lady whose advertisement requesting genteel part-time employment involves her in a predicament which threatens first her freedom and then her very life. I'm sure we'll all want to make it a point to listen. Oh, oh and, and by the way, if you feel that, that the character I played tonight was a little, uh, well, shall we say, <laughs> extreme, please forgive me. I've never played twins before, and I guess, <clears throat> well, I guess I just lost my hand. Joseph Cotton appeared through the courtesy of David O. Selznick, in whose production, Duel in the Sun, he will soon be seen. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you Dame May Whitty, as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California.
This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Wow, what a great episode of Suspense. From January 17, 1946, the Pasteboard Box, sponsored by your favorite potent potable, Lisa. Roma Wine. Yes, Joseph Cotton starring a CBS broadcast. Hope you enjoyed that. Time for this month in music history. You know, Carl, we had a listener last week who had mentioned that I love you, I love what you do, but could you do some music from earlier? I'm a little bit older than you, maybe the 50s or 60s. So tonight we're going back to 1960, starting with this song. She was afraid to come out of the locker She was as nervous as she could be She was afraid to come out of the locker She was afraid that somebody would say Two, three, four Tell Tetsy, the huh? people what she wore It was an itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny Teeny you were almost born, but not quite. Itsy bitsy, teeny weeny, yellow polka dot bikini. Our listeners know this. Song. Wow. Nineteen sixty by Brian Hyland. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love it. Good stuff. Thanks, Lisa. Sure. More of Hollywood three sixty after this. More Hollywood three sixty after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Ooh, man, Mike is the best with the bumpers, huh? Yeah. Love this song. Uh, William Conrad stars as U.S. Marshal Matt Dillon on Gunsmoke in our next hour. And uh, we'll also need a caller to play Beat the Host, right, Lisa? That's right. We're talking about Jennifer Aniston. She was born February 11th. 1969. She's turning 55. She's too young for you. 55. Way huh? too young for you. If I you'd like can't to <laughs> try 55. If you'd like to be on the air and talk a little Jennifer Aniston with us and uh, definitely be a winner, give us a call 312-642-5600. We're looking for caller number 6. All right, 312-642-5600. Play the game. Win some fun CDs just for playing. Call. Be on the air. We'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great quick motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.